13 years ago, I think the year was 2007, just after New Year. So, you know, just around this season, maybe in January, I, with some other leaders, were going to teach high school students how to hear God's voice. We'd made this decision. We were kind of praying about it and talking about it. We made this decision that we were going to take high school students and we were going to give them the opportunity to hear God's voice. But there was pushback. You know that kind of pushback we're feeling today on Facebook and on social media and in society? There was pushback. Kids can't hear God's voice. Are you crazy? Teenagers, kids, junior high students, they can't hear God's voice. It's tough for adults. How can a child, a teenager, someone under 19 to 13 hear the voice of God? Don't you realize they live in a place of uncertainty, insecurities, inabilities. Don't you know they live in a world of negativity and superficiality? You know, all the alities and illities and things of this world. Everybody was saying there's no chance. But we said, I believe that God wants to speak to this generation. And so what happened was we had a woman at our church at the time. Her name was Val. And she's like, I just did this Bible study. And she had two kids in the student group. She goes, I think I can make a curriculum and help these kids. So what we did is we took this book. It's called Listening for God. And we took this book and we started to go through it week by week for 13 weeks. It's a pretty amazing book. Listen to the title, How an Ordinary Person Can Hear God. If you're ordinary like me, you too can hear the word of God. This book by Marilyn Hans is a powerful tool and it gives us tools how to hear God's voice. So here's what happens. Week one we go and Val gives her whole kind of idea of what the Bible study is going to be about. And she, you know, she was a, a scientist and, a, you know, she's kind of a rocket science. She was a really, it still is a brilliant woman. And the kids were kind of excited, but it was like, do you know at the beginning of school when you go through that syllabus day, the first few minutes you're really excited, but after 30 minutes of talking about the syllabus, you're like, all right, is this even going to be good? But the kids overall were excited. Hey, I'm going to hear the voice of God. That sounds interesting. That happened week one. So we sat back and we're like, is this really going to work? We were kind of nervous, but we said, if it doesn't work after four or five weeks, we'll can it and do something else. Always listening and heeding to the pushback, trying to not let the world push us back away from having these students hear the voice of God. Week two shows up and guess what happens? We're in this Bible study in my house. And there's about 30 kids and not one person, maybe one out of 30, brought their study book and nobody did the work. Nobody read anything except that one favorite student, you know, the one that brings an apple every time. It was kind of a bummer. We sat back that week and said, listen, if you, go, if you kids don't try, there's no way you're ever going to get this to work. And so we really pushed on them and, and said, you've got to do the work, convicted, encouraged, challenged, and said, you've got to show up. And I promise you at the end, you will hear the voice of God. Week three happens. And everybody was quiet. They bought their book. They brought their book back because we put some pressure on them saying, we spent about $200 on these books. You need to bring them. So everybody brought their book, but not very many people did their homework, but a couple did. And they shared a little bit and it was okay, but it was very quiet. We were still very upset in week four. We we're like, hey, this has got to work or we're going to can it and do something else. So they were scared that week, but still not much was happening but we could feel there's some momentum changing. And me and Jeremy at the time were both youth pastors. 
And we said, if this doesn't work next week, we're going to have to can it and do something else. But something happened that week. The kids got fired up and they really wanted to hear God's voice. It was going through, uh, you know, this week was going, you know, through a season where everybody was kind of struggling and everybody did the work. And in week five, wow, something amazing happened. The kids, as we went through it, started to hear and see and, and feel the presence of God. And over the next nine to 10 weeks, everything was amazing. We went through that book, Listening for God, and great things started to occur. You know what? They didn't even want to read the book chapter by chapter every week. They just wanted to share about what God was doing. It was so inspiring. It was probably the greatest achievement in my ministerial life, especially as a student pastor, because all of a sudden the kids wouldn't shut up. For 50 or 60 minutes of the hour and a half we were there, they were talking about where God was talking and moving, where they wanted God to talk and move, and things in the future that they thought God was going to say and do. And it really was the funnest time in ministry. It was so powerful. We fought through the insecurities of the kids and the uncertainty and the kids thinking they were unable to do it. We fought through all the negativity and the lifestyle in Southern California, which is superficiality. We fought through all the closed-mindedness and got to a place of hearing the voice of God. That's so awesome, and it's so grateful to be a part. I'm so grateful to be a part of that, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this thing, this sermon series called Thanks Living, being thankful for God for the life that you have. God taught me a lot during that time, and that book helped me learn to hear the voice of God. And today I want to give that opportunity to you. We're going through four stories in the book of Mark to teach you about these healings. But really these healing stories are about being disciples, growing as a disciple, which is being obedient. My job as a pastor is to teach you and for me to be obedient. I have to learn to be obedient and so do you. That's the job of a pastor. And you know when that starts? right now, not, not 2021 after COVID or when I get a divorce or when I get married or when I get that job or Mr. or Mrs. Right, it starts right now. If you want to hear the voice of God, if you want to engage with God the way that you've always dreamt about, it starts with obedience. And what we've been doing the last three weeks, and today's the final week of Thanksgiving, we've been taking four stories out of the Gospel of Mark, 16 chapters chapters of an action-packed, drama-filled book. All kinds of things happening. And in Mark, there's a bunch of healings that happen. And the last few weeks, we've been talking about great healings, and we're doing it to grow as disciples and to show who Jesus really is. Jesus is the God-man. He is the real Superman who came into this world to change the world and to change the world one person at a time by loving them right into the hands of the Father. Every story that we've read is real. It's an event. It's his story, his story, and it's real. Too often we're like, oh, these are just fables that kind of help us see and live how, how we're supposed to live life. But the truth is they're real stories. So as we go through the final day of Thanksgiving, I want to ask a couple of questions. Can humans really hear God's voice? Can believers and non-believers? Well, Christians can hear the, are supposed to be able to hear the voice of God. Yes, we can. But how do we do that? Well, I hope today you'll get a few answers. 
But if not, get that book that Marilyn Hans wrote, Listening for God, and I promise you, it will give you tools and strategies how to actively hear God, even if you're an ordinary person like me. Yes, we can hear God's voice, but it's really for Christians and believers. We should be able to hear that on a regular basis. Let me give you some examples as we go through this sermon today. C.S. Lewis, one of the great authors of this time, writes this uh, in The Problem of Pain. He said, God's, God whispers to us in our pleasures. Do you know when life is good and God is doing all kinds of good things, he's whispering and nudging and moving us and everything seems to be perfect. God whispers to us in times of pleasure, but it says, but shouts to us in our pain. It says it is his megaphone to rouse the death world. How often is God shouting to us? Uh, this week, man, I had some really tough stuff happen to me. One of my best friends lost his mother and my mom lost her sister on Thanksgiving. And that's when God starts to shout because he wants to be the only voice in your head that brings you to greater faith, greater understanding and greater belief in who he is and where those people who believe went. He shouts to us. It's his megaphone to the deaf world. And sometimes our circumstances and pain become so big that we get drowned by the world and forget who God is. God whispers to us in the pleasures, but he shouts to us in the pains. And in that, he shows us a testimony. And that's one of the great ways that we hear God is through our suffering and through our struggles. You remember that in the Refine series? Suffering is a gift and it burns away the false hopes and the desires and false hopes. So the first point of today's message is to be open. Be open. Uh, being open is resisting a closed mindset. Being open is resisting a closed mindset. We are naturally closed as deaf people. Do you realize that? We are naturally closed and deaf to who God is. That's just who we are. We were born that way. We call that our sin nature. Um, believers though, if we believe in God and follow God and are obedient to God, we should be open and able to hear God's voice on a regular basis. And that's done over time. It's done through the Holy Spirit and the word of God, but it can stop over time as well. You know how many people I know that have had big pains, losses and deaths and God stops speaking to them or they stop hearing from God and that death or that pain takes them right out of the will of God. Over time, the world can deafen God and we won't be able to hear him because we've allowed things and circumstances and pains and struggles to overtake the voice and the Holy Spirit and the work of God. So once again, we're going to try and be open to resist this closed off mindset. That's the first point. Let's open up to Mark chapter 7. And let's watch him do a great work. And we're just going to kind of read this. There's only a, a few verses but in this, we're going to try and hear the voice of God and we're going to try and teach the voice of God as a man who doesn't hear and talk gets to encounter Jesus. Here's what it says, Mark 7, verse 31. It says, then Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. I'm just going to stop there. I'm going to ask God to speak to us right now. Could you just get quiet for a second? maybe awkwardly quiet, and let's pray. Father, I ask right now, 
over this virtual message, over this live stream, over the internet, wherever uh, someone's watching on their phone or their computer or their smart TV, I ask right now, Father, will you speak boldly through what Jesus did and through your Holy Spirit? Draw our hearts near to you, Father. I pray right now that you will break away whatever's holding us back, whatever's making us deaf to your voice. Touch our ears, touch our tongue, touch our heart and soul so that we can hear you and see you in very beautiful and wonderful ways. Lord, we open up your text today. Let the word of God speak to us through the gospel of Mark. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for who you are. Amen. So here's what's happening. Jesus has left Tyre and Sidon and he's heading back uh, through the Sea of Galilee, but he's taking a detour. If you looked at a map and you were seeing where Jesus was heading, he goes uh, on this detour. You know, like when you're driving on the 101 and you go into Ojai and you take that long road, maybe to the other side. It's like one of those detours. There's no reason to do it, but you're doing it just for, for another purpose, maybe just a wonderful drive or something. He's taking this detour and what's happening is he's going to a region where in Mark chapter five, Jesus delivered a man with a legion of demons in him. You remember that story? We kind of touched on it a several weeks ago when this guy had a bunch of demons and Jesus put him into a bunch of pigs and the pigs went off the cliff and into the water. That same region is called the Capolis or the 10 towns. It was a detour for Jesus. He was going to a, what we call a Gentile area, an area there for non-Jewish people. They're the opposite of Jewish people, which is Gentiles. They were probably dirty and they would make people that were Jewish unclean. But I think he went to this region to speak to the Romans. This story told after the fact was to speak to the Romans. You know, the Romans were in charge, so they were like the superpower of the day. And so the 10 towns or the Decapolis, which is what it means in Greek, was a Roman area. And they used to say in this area, it was Rome away from Rome, like home away from home, but it's actually like Rome in, in Italy. It was the Rome away from Rome area in this, in this place in which is, is now uh, Turkey today. And so Jesus was coming back to an area that was on fire. Just a few chapters ago, he was in there and he set this man free from demon possession. And that man was told to stay in these 10 towns and preach the good news about Jesus Christ and how he was freed. And he was going into these towns and they would say, weren't you the naked guy? that was scaring people in the cemetery. And he's like, yeah, I'm that guy, but I'm now set free. And this place was on fire. And this kind of brings me to one of the points of how God works. I believe one of the ways God speaks to us, I know how he spoke to me, is through others, through people's testimony, through people's faith struggles and, 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 and trials and, and joys and births and death. We see God work through other people. I've seen God work through many other people and their testimony has really spoken to me. I believe that's one of the ways that God speaks. Let's dig back into Mark, verse 32. So he's, he's, he's in this region that is now on fire and many have heard who he is. And here's what happens, verse 32. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him. 
and the people begged Jesus, lay hands on the man to heal him. They now know who this man is, even though they're not Jewish believers like you would see in the in the place of Israel. They, they were actually people that were outside of the Jewish faith. But this story kind of goes into the idea that Jesus came to the world for all people, not just the Jewish faith. A lot of times we forget while Jesus was on earth, he was here to minister to both Jewish folk and also the Gentiles too. These Gentiles want to meet Jesus and they want to see really what can he can do. If Jesus were in our town and we wanted to see miracles, wouldn't we go find the person that was struggling or you saw suffering for years and want to bring him to the foot of Jesus to see what Jesus could do? That's what's happening here in this area. Do you realize that Jesus has come into this world to open up your eyes and my eyes and the world's eyes and to open up our ears to hear him and our hearts to both see him spiritually and hear him spiritually? Why? Why did he do that? He did this because we were closed off. We were born in a, in a closed relationship with God. We were open to the garden. We were opened at one point. Adam and Eve were both in the garden and they were in this open relationship to the point where they were frolicking. I don't know if we can use that, frolicking naked with God, but they were in this perfect relationship. And then all of a sudden, sin came into man's life. They ate of the fruit and sin came into the life and it was because of their disobedience that they were distant and closed off from God, banished from the garden. There was no longer a way to get close to God because of what they did, where they were cut off and born into sin, or we were born into sin because of that. And now all mankind is born deaf from God. And our job is to be open to God so that we can hear his voice. That's why I love this story. I mean, really, that's why I love this story. It creates a hunger in me to hear the voice of God. And fortunately, I've been so grateful that I've went through a couple of books like that, that book, Listening for God by Marilyn Hans, and I've worked tirelessly on trying to hear the voice of God. And I got a hunger to hear the voice of God, but you know what I have an even greater hunger for is to share how other people can hear the voice of God. I gave that book to a woman uh, last week maybe two weeks ago. And I said, hey, this will help you. And you know what? She's been texting me all throughout the week how much God has spoken to her in a matter of weeks. She says, I look forward to the late night when all the kids are in bed that I can read this book and start really hearing the voice of God. This story creates a hunger in my heart to teach how to hear the voice of God and for me this week to hear the voice of God. How does the voice of God happen? Well, here's what happens. Long ago in what we call eternity past and before Jesus was born and all that, God had a plan. He was gonna build this creation and in this creation, he was gonna have salvation. And in this salvation, when man was gonna fall into sin, he was gonna bring restoration and hope through one man and that man is Jesus. And all the people in the Bible in the Old Testament are leading up to this moment where the Messiah comes and restoration is going to occur. And there's this place in Isaiah 35 that says some amazing things. Isaiah 35 verse 4 through 6 talks about hope for restoration and what's going to happen. And here's what it says. Say to those with anxious hearts, 
Say to those, you know, like those high school students with insecurities, uncertainty, inability, those with negativity kind of uh, uh, whirling around their head, living in this superficial lifestyle. Say to those with anxious hearts, it says, be strong, do not fear, be bold. Your God will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. This is a prophecy of who's coming into the world. This son of man, this God man, this man named Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ is coming to this world and he is going to restore us back to a right relationship with God. How's he going to do that? Verse five says, the eyes of the blind will be open. We talked about that at Bartimaeus. It says, the ears of the deaf unstop. We're talking about that right now. The lame will leap like a deer. Jeremy talked about that last week being paralyzed and not doing what we're supposed to do versus being fully in faith with who Jesus Christ. The the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. I love that. And then it says at the end, for waters will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. He is going to change things that are are dead and dry into lush and, and, and fruitful, flowing waters, living waters in places that were dead. That's who Jesus is. And that's what he's going to do. And that's what we're going to see in these next few verses as he encounters this man. So there's a deaf man, verse 32, that's been... Uh, led to him and they're saying lay hands on him Jesus and here's what happens in verse 33 Jesus led them away from the crowd so that they could be alone you know what we need to kind of slow down and read this for a second just kind of pick up on some of the intricacies of what's being said here Jesus led them away from the crowd he says hey stop you guys stay over here we're gonna go around just me and this man around the corner and we're gonna be kind of in private, doing this work. They wanted to be alone. That's a key thing. Here's what it says. He put his finger in this man's ear. What? Yuck. We don't do that. Then it says, even worse, then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. That's even more gross. But then it gets beautiful. He says, looking up to heaven, read that. It says, looking up to heaven, and then listen to what it says. He sighed. That was a prayer right there. You know how that, you know that big sigh of frustration or anxiety or struggle that you have in your heart? You know the one. That's that sigh. There's this sigh and in that sigh, there's so much said. You know in our, it says in the Bible, our prayers, our moans, our groans, our our whimpers, our prayers to God. This is a prayer and he says, ifata, which means be open. So he looks up to heaven. Which means be open. This man can't hear. He's now left him from his support system and it's just Jesus and this man. Do you realize that if this man can't hear, how can he hear what Jesus is going to do? So the only way that he can communicate with this man is like, hey, I'm going to put my fingers in your ear and let you know this is how you're going to hear. I'm going to fix your ears. That's the only way he could tell the guy. And then he spit on his finger and he says, I'm going to touch your tongue and I'm going to let you speak. 
And so he touches this man's tongue. Those are intimate things. When's the last time you let, so- you let someone put something in your ear? Most of the time you slap that away and say, stop it, that's gross. And usually it's a dog or a cat. That's even grosser. But when do you swap spit with someone? Especially someone else putting it on their fingers and on your tongue. This is a place of intimacy. And I think you need to see that. The first part of today's message was being open is resisting a closed off mindset. The second part is being open is being intimate. Being open is being intimate. Are you intimate with God? Would you let him touch your ears and go inside with all that earwax? Would you let him touch your tongue? With Corona today, you can't even come close to someone. We've got masks on and we've got the guards on and we aren't allowed to touch tongues and touch saliva because right now it's dangerous. But being intimate with God, that's a big sign of being open to what he can do in your life. We are born closed off to God, but we need to be open. What does that mean? Sitting with God, listening with God, being alone with God. And, and, and just sitting. When's the last time you've just sat for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes alone with God and didn't say much? Reading the word of God. Distance with God is cured with intimacy. We've got to be open. Ifata, it says. How do we know this? Well, here's what Jesus says in the book of John. John chapter 15, you know the verse. It says this, John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. That's a place of intimacy. That's a call to intimacy. Verse five says this, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From a, uh, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want to be in a fruitful relationship with God, our job is to remain close to him. Finger in ears, hand touching tongue, that kind of close. Smelling his breath, seeing his eyes and his brow and the wrinkles on his face. Being close to God is really the cure from being distant from God. Remain in me and I will remain in you, he says. If you want to have fruit, you can't be far from me. You have to be close to me. Being open is being intimate. A lot of times we miss God's voice because we aren't open to what God is saying. We've got to be open to what God is saying. A lot of times we miss it because I don't really want him to tell me to give my money to the poor or to the church or you know help a homeless person or invite someone over for breakfast, lunch, or dinner or help someone on, on, on Thanksgiving, giving them food or doing something, especially in this COVID era. How do we help people? Right now, we've got to trust that God knows what's best for us, but we've got to be open. And if we're not open, we're missing out on what he's saying. A guy named Gary Rothmeyer, I found this verse online, says intimacy with God is not experiencing, is not experienced through a monologue prayers, but through reflective listening as well as earnest petitioning. Listening is not this monologue. How often do you make this monologue prayer? Oh God, I need you. I'm sorry. I need money. I need a relationship. Fix my wife. Fix my kid. Fix my car. Pay my mortgage. Give me a million dollars. 
I'm talking too much and I'm not reflectively listening and I'm not earnest in my petitioning. I'm not earnest. We've seen some of these people with healings. There's been some earnest petitioning before God. Here's what happens, verse 35. It says, instantly, the man, after he got his, uh, Jesus put his fingers in his ears and touched his tongue. It says, instantly, the man could hear perfectly and his tongue would free, was freed so that he could speak plainly. Instantly, after having an intimate time with God, after this intimate moment, he could hear and he could now speak. Now let's kind of put a pause on this for a second. Verse 35, let's just put our finger on that mark right there and let's ask this question. Can you say right now that you can hear the voice of God? Do you hear that right now? Inside of your soul? Can you really hear the voice of God and really do something that really makes sense? The question is, when is the last time that you've heard the voice of God. That's what I really want you to ask yourself. When's the last time you really heard the voice of God? And here's what I mean by really heard. That you heard something that God said and it actually came to pass. It actually really happened because that's really what listening to God is. Today we're like, this is what God is saying to me. This is who I'm supposed to marry. This is how I'm supposed to live. This is what I'm supposed to live. This is my call to ministry or to this job or whatever. But if it doesn't come to pass, were you really listening to God's voice? When's the last time God has really spoken and it's come true? And when's the last time he really spoke to you? And if you're saying it's been a while or never, then maybe you need to start the message over. Maybe you need to pick up that book. And if you can't afford it, email me and I'll buy it for you. But listen, I'm only going to buy it if you're going to read it. And I'm not going to buy a hundred of them because I guarantee you, just like those kids, nobody wants to do the work. Everybody wants to hear, but are you really going to do the work? It's easy to say I want to, but you got to do the work. And that's what we're trying to do today. Challenge you to do the work. Do you hear God's voice? Here's some reasons why you're maybe not be hearing God's voice. Here's the first one. Uh, reasons why you're not be hearing. Number one is fear of silence. Do you fear that place of silence? Do you fear silence? You know what? Sometimes I over communicate and I speak over God. I'm in my prayer and I'm doing this long monologue prayer and I'm not in this place of silence. Sometimes I just need to be silent. Recently, the last three or four weeks, I've been putting my headset in, waking up in the morning, getting in the front of my bed and on my knees and just listening to one of my favorite songs is Champion or Man of God. It's about an eight or nine minute song and I just sit in the foot of my bed on my knees listening to God and trying to shut up. First one is fearing silence. The second one is do you lack understanding of scripture? I know that's a big one, but let me give you one of the things that Marilyn Hans would say in her book to teach us to understand scripture. It says in her book, read it until it speaks to you. Read the Bible until it speaks to you. Sometimes the first verse, sometimes it's the 50th verse, but read the Bible until one of the verses is highlighted and speaks to you. Read it until it speaks to you. Number three, indulge. This one's gonna hurt for most of us. Indulging in inappropriate, cheap, or negative music, literature, and entertainment. What do you do for your entertainment as a Christian? Is it cheap? Is it inappropriate? 
Or is it negative? Music, literature, and entertainment. And trust me, as I read this and as I've looked at my entertainment the last few weeks, I'm like, I have some work to do here. We all do. But maybe that's a reason. Maybe you're filling your brain with video games and social media and news and, and music that's not of God. It's not from God. It's actually designed to destroy your relationship, not enhance it. Maybe it's cheap and inappropriate and negative, and maybe that's not why you're hearing it. How about number four? Are you a gossiper? If you are, God's probably shut you off because he doesn't want gossipers thriving in the kingdom of God. How about this? Do you have an unhealthy relationship that's always pulling you away from God? Oh, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to read. You don't need to do this or do that. I have seen more unhealthy relationships pull people out of church and out of the will of God and out of the Bible because the relationship becomes their God and God doesn't become their God and it stops us from hearing God. How about this one? Keeping too busy for God. Wow, that hurts. You know what? I'm a busy person. I like to keep busy because it makes me feel like I'm valuable in the kingdom of God. But even someone who, like me, I program things 8 o'clock, walk in the authority of God, 12 o'clock, pray to God, 8 o'clock, worship God. And I don't always do it, but I try and put it there and going, man, I haven't really prayed yet. And that that prompt on my phone kind of reminds me, I got to worship, I got to pray, I got to listen. I've got to do something. Are you too busy for God? Well, if you are, obviously there's going to be a struggle and it's going to be something that keeps you off. Here's one of our talking points today. Number six, being closed off to what God might say. Are you closed off to what God is saying to you? Are you afraid of what he's going to tell you? Dump that person, quit that job, get more involved in church, give money, tithe, serve, do something. Are you afraid? And so you've just shut it off because you keep hearing it. You're like, I don't want to hear that anymore. That's a struggle, and maybe you're the cause. Here's the last one. Being closed off to the idea that he, God, can speak to you in unconventional ways. There's probably thousands of ways that God can speak. I've seen him speak. I used to have a friend of mine. I don't know how how right he was with God, but he used to say God spoke to him on bumper stickers. That might be true. The point is God can speak to you in many different ways. Even some of that cheap and and inappropriate and negative music, literature, and entertainment, I think he can speak there. But God speaks in a bunch of unconditional ways. And you gotta be open to that. And just don't believe it only comes through one way. God can speak in many different ways. A.W. Tozer, that guy I talked about in the Refiner series, he's an author and a pastor. He says this, most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided that we weren't going to do what he says. Ouch, that's a stinger. I want to hear the voice of God. I've been called into ministry, but I'm really not going to do what he says. That doesn't make any sense. And because of that, we're probably struggling to hear the voice of God. Here's some more struggling news from the Bible. John 8, 47, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Man, I love when I'm in that right relationship. I'm happy and I'm gladly listening and sitting with my Bible open going, so Father, speak boldly to me. But the second part, and this is where we usually cut it off and go, let's not talk about this. It says, but you don't listen because you don't belong. Do I really belong? If God's not speaking, maybe I've got all seven of these things or even more that aren't on the list and I don't really belong. Maybe I'm not a part of. 
Maybe I'm on the outside looking in and I used to be on the inside looking out. God's calling you into that intimate relationship. Verse 35 again, instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so the man could speak plainly. Now we have a man that is hearing the voice and, 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 and talking out loud for the first time and he's done it because he's met Jesus. He's encountered Jesus. And this story is to open up our eyes and ears to really hear what God is saying. Verse 36 says this, Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but more and more he told them not to, the more and more he spread the news. Listen, that just blows me away. Jesus told them not to tell. Don't tell anyone anything. Stop, don't do anything. Maybe that's the secret sauce. Maybe that's the magic elixir, the pixie dust that we need as a church. Maybe that's what the church is missing. Recently, everybody's saying the church needs to stand up. Maybe it's this. Let me try it. Don't ever read the Bible. Never, ever read the Bible. Don't ever pray. It's useless. That communication to God's not going to help you. Don't go to church. Please never go to church. It's not going to help you. They're going to ask for your money, and you're going to have to volunteer to make the church thrive. Don't go to church. Don't be a part of a community group. That iron sharpens iron. I don't want to see sparks fly. I might create a forest fire. Don't go. Don't ever, ever share your faith. And please don't ever, ever, ever invite someone to church. Be closed off and deaf. And maybe that's how God works. Because the truth is this. We are saying stuff but we're not really doing stuff. We are just the opposite. We're saying, yes, we're going to do this. Yes, we're going to do this. And we never do it. We're the completely opposite of what we're supposed to do. Maybe this is the magic elixir. Don't. It's awkward. But Jesus says he told the crowd not to tell anything, but they told people more and more and spread the news. I don't know what the solution is, but we say we're gonna and we don't do it. Maybe I tell you don't, and maybe you will do it. Here's what verse 37 says. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. They were completely amazed. I love it. And said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He makes the deaf hear and those that can't speak he touches their tongue and they can speak again. That brings me to the last point. Be open helps us hear what God is saying. Be open. It helps us hear what God is saying. Jesus is the exemplar man. You ever heard that? The exemplar. The exemplar word is our example, our model, our way of life. Jesus is our example. One of the reasons he came to earth and walked as a human for 33 years and three years in ministry was to be an example. He shows us how to live. It says in the Bible, everything he does was wonderful. He did it to the best of his ability. He understands humans and human natures, nature and he shows us how to live with them too. He ultimately is our example and we are to imitate him and get intimate with him. Imitate him and get intimate with him. Now, I love the end of three of the four stories as we get ready to conclude this Thanksgiving sermon series. Three of the four stories are awesome. They were all amazed at the very end, just like ours that says they were completely amazed and they said everything he does was wonderful. But here's what happened 
in Mark chapter 5 when he raised somebody from the dead. It says they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Verse 5, 42b, they were overwhelmed. He just raised a girl from the dead and they were amazed that she was walking and eating. And last week in Jeremy's message, they were amazed after the man who was paralyzed could walk, praising and exclaiming, God, uh, praising God and exclaiming, we've never seen anything like it. Now, is this story then about the people getting healed or is it about the people around them? It seems like every time Jesus heals, the story is about the people around him. But too often we're into the healing and not the discipling and growing. These events in the Bible are real. These are events, not stories, not fables. It's his story. They point us to Jesus Christ. They're teaching us to become a disciple of God. Are you a disciple of God? Can you truly say you are a disciple of God, which means obedient to God, listening to God, living out God's word and living for God's word and chewing on God's word every day, sharing the good news, sharing the gospel with other people and making it your life's work. Not just as your work. You can do it at your workplace. You can still work and be a husband or wife or child or dog. You could still do your life, but make it your life's work to include Christ and make him part of everything that you do. That's what a disciple does. Now, when I say God spoke to me or I heard God's voice or I listened and God spoke, when I say that, it doesn't necessarily mean it was audible, like I'm audibly speaking to you on this live stream. It doesn't necessarily mean that as Christians, we believe in the Bible. We believe that this is God's word. And I love this part of the message. By reading God's word, we gain access to God's mind. If you want to know what God is trying to say, get into his head by reading his word. And by getting into his head, you start to hear his voice. Getting into his head, getting into his mind helps us hear his voice. Second Timothy and some of the scriptures, 3.16 says, uh, scripture is God breathed. God's word is God breathed. It's from, the, from God's breath, from his heart. It's in his head. It's coming out into the real world and it's done in black and white. Actually, mine has red in it where Jesus speaks. Hebrews 4 says the word is active and living. It's alive and active. It's moving. It's not dead. It's the mind of God and it's ours. Do you realize today this Bible is mine? I've got about 15 of them, but it's mine. It doesn't matter how many I have. It matters if I use it. If I don't use it, I lose it. I don't hear the voice of God. I'm not in the mind of God. I'm not in the word of God. And obviously he's not going to speak. If you're not using the word of God, obviously you're not going to be hearing God's voice very well. The Bible is God breathed. It's living. It's active. It's the mind of God. And it's ours to utilize. Everything in the Bible prepares us for God, presents us to the gospel, and invites us to participate uh, with God through the gospel. It prepares us. When my heart is hardened, when I open up and read the word of God, it starts to prepare my heart to really do something in it. Maybe it's happening in you right now. It presents who God is constantly and who his son is. And it prepares. It allows me and invites me to participate uh, with God through the gospel, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of God's word. He wants to speak to you right now. 
Now, as we close this Thanksgiving sermon series, I hope you got a lot out of it. I hope you see that the healing stories are, are part of the message, but the bigger part is the people around and how they were amazed and how they grew and how they became disciples and followers. They might not have even got the healings even though they needed healings, but they became uh, followers because they saw amazing things happen with God. The central figure in these healing stories is Jesus Christ. Is he the central figure in your life? Is he central in the thing that you need to be healed? Is he central in the pain and suffering that you have? Is he central in the financial uh, uh, issues that you might have or the relationship downfall? If you need a healing, the central figure needs to be Jesus. All these miracles happen so that we can grow and have faith and be thankful for the life that we have. It's called thanks living. I want to close with a quote from Corey Tenenboom, you know, the lady that was uh, in a, a, a concentration camp, Jewish lady that came to faith in Jesus. Here's what it says, and I really want to kind of speak to this as we close. Here's what she writes. She says, if you want to hear God's voice clearly and you are uncertain, then remain in his presence until he changes this uncertainty. Wow. If you want to hear God's voice and you're not certain, it says remain in his presence until he changes that uncertainty. In Southern California, we don't do this. I don't got time for that. I've got other things to do. Like after this, I've got to go and do other things. I got to remain in his presence until he changes that uncertainty. Here's what it says. Often much can happen during this uh, waiting for the Lord. Do you realize and believe that much can happen when we wait on God? It takes a long time. One of the things that I'm waiting on God for, and maybe you can join me and maybe you're in that same place, is we need a building. And I'm waiting and I, me and God have been wrestling. And you know what? He's always a better wrestler than me. But I'm waiting and I'm taking the uncertainty and changing it and believing that he's going to make it certain. One day, our church will have a building or a tent or a park. I have no idea. But he's directing us and we're just going to have to be waiting, uh, waiting during this time of uncertainty. Here's what it says, and this is the last part. Sometimes he changes pride into humility, doubt into faith and peace, and sometimes lust into purity. The Lord can and will do it. A lot of times when we wait and we're in this place of, of, of negativity and inability and insecurity, God can change it into security and faith and hope and peace. Just like he did with those kids 13 years ago when they started hearing the voice of God. Now I'm sure not all of them are practicing that anymore, but I guarantee you 10 or 15% of those kids still are because I see them around. Some are still a part of the church. Here's the points to kind of bring this message in this sermon series to close. Jesus is the healing figure in all of these stories, but it's really about growing as a disciple. I hope you've been encouraged by these four stories of healing. But here's today's application or closing points. Being open is resisting the closed off mindset. You gotta get away from being closed off and being open to what God has. Resisting the closed off and being open to what he has. Being open is being intimate. Man, you gotta be intimate. 
Let him stick your, his fingers in your ears and spit on his fingers and tongue. I know it sounds gross, but that's what happened. And this man went from being deaf and, and not able to speak to hearing and speaking. Being open is being intimate. And the last one says, being open helps us hear what God is saying. God just spoke to us and through me for the last 30 plus minutes. Your job is to be open to help uh, God speak to you during this time. And that goes with the word of God and how he works in us. As we close today, I hope you got something out of this. Maybe you can share this with someone or read this Bible story and tell them kind of what happened. But be open that God can speak. Let's just bow our head and pray right now. Father, we love you and we praise you and we ask for you to work powerfully in the name of Jesus. We're open right now to hear your voice, Ifata. Be open, Lord, right now. Open up our heart, mind, and soul, but more importantly, open up our ears, our spiritual ears, so that we can hear your voice today. Whatever you're saying, Lord, teach us to be obedient. Holy Spirit, help us follow whatever you're asking us to do. And if someone's being asked to become a child of God, to claim Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you're hearing God correctly, if that's you today, will you just say these words in obedience, hearing God's voice, repeating this prayer, and you will become a child of God. Here's how it goes. It says, confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart, you just say these words and you'll become a child of God. Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and soul and be my Lord and Savior. The Bible says you died for me and rose again three days later so that I may live with you for eternity. I thank you for that life, Lord. I thank you for that eternal walk with you. I ask right now that the Holy Spirit come over my life and my body and my soul and teach me to be obedient to you now until I meet you in heaven. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for this free gift. Lord, we ask that you hear us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so grateful that you joined us today online. I'm so grateful that uh, all the people that help us kind of do this message online. You know what? If this message made sense to you and you, you heard God's voice or if you need some kind of... Um, if you feel like you can help somebody with this, share this message. Go on Facebook, share it. It's really easy. Also, if you if you feel like you need some help and you're not really hearing the voice of God, reach out to the, the staff at the church. There's emails on the website. Reach out to us. We want to help you. And finally, we want to pray for you. We want to pray and pray abundantly. We're getting two or three prayers a week. I know there's more people. This week I was on Facebook and I got 90 prayers. So if you need prayer, go to the app or the website and put in a care card like Dustin said and let us pray for you. I promise you, God will meet you in the midst of that struggle. We love you and we're blessed by you. Thank you for all that you're doing. Have a great day and a great week in the Lord. God bless you.